Welcome back to Paradigm Swap. I'm Chaz Hathaway, author and musician. Today we're going to continue our Enneagram journey by talking about the Enneagram 2 personality type. Okay, and this again is from EnneagramInstitute.com. And uh, on their main page, you can click on the types to see these descriptions that we're going to be reading, but we'll be talking about them uh, briefly as well. So, Enneagram 2 is described as the helper, the caring, impersonal type, generous, demonstrative, people-pleasing, and possessive. Now, remember that uh, there is no one side to any personality. There is a dark side to all personalities, and there is a beautiful, incredible, dynamic side. And it's a spectrum. You know, and we find ourselves somewhere on the spectrum, whatever your number is, or your personality is, you're likely to find yourself somewhere on the spectrum between healthy and unhealthy side of that type. So here's the description of the two uh, personality. Twos are empathetic, sincere, and warm-hearted. They're friendly, generous, and self-sacrificing, but can also be sentimental, flattering, and people-pleasing. They're well-meaning and driven to be close to others, but can slip into doing things for others in order to be needed. They typically have problems with possessiveness and with acknowledging their own needs. At their best, unselfish and altruistic, they have unconditional love for others. Okay, the two's basic fear is of being unwanted or unworthy of being loved. Their basic desire is to feel loved. The Enneagram 2 with a one wing can be described as the servant, and the Enneagram 2 with a three wing can be described as the host or hostess. The key motivations of the Enneagram 2 are they want to be loved, to express their feelings for others, to be needed and appreciated, to get others to respond to them, to vindicate their claims about themselves. Now, the uh, in stress, remember we talked about how um, numbers will behave as another number in stress versus insecurity. And if you look at an Enneagram chart, you will see that these are in this perfect pattern. So I encourage you at some point to go to the EnneagramInstitute.com website to see this on any of the numbers you can see where they're going. But uh, twos in stress will go to eight, or in other words, they will behave like an eight or take on some of the characteristics of an eight when they are stressed out. When they are in growth or when they're in a healthy or secure place, they will behave like a healthy four. But let me word this the way that the uh, the website words it because it's it, it's telling. Because um, you know it, it for for example it describes needy twos. Not all twos are needy, but in a needy state or in a needy mood or whatever, um, this is often how twos will behave when they're in in stress. Same with the. Uh, in the place of growth or security, um, when they are in a prideful or self-deceptive way, they will behave 
um, in this particular way that a four does. So here's what, here's what it says. When moving in their direction of disintegration or stress, needy twos suddenly become aggressive and dominating at eight. However, when moving in their direction of integration or growth, prideful or self-deceptive twos may become more self-nurturing and emotionally aware like healthy fours. Now, these are interesting points to make because the, in their direction of integration or growth, um, even though they are being prideful and self-deceptive, in that uh, place of growth, they can use that more self-nurturing and emotional awareness to improve their situation. So these behaving like a four, behaving like an eight, is not necessarily a bad thing or or some kind of inauthentic thing, but it's kind of a call to improve or a call to cope. And often in the stressful situations, uh, when a two is behaving like an eight, they will use eight to cope with their stressful situation, which, of course, they have to be careful, but it can be very useful for them as a coping mechanism. Okay, here's some examples of twos, Enneagram twos. Paramahansa Yogananda, Pope John the 13th, Guru Amaji, the hugging saint, Byron Kate, or Byron Katie, sorry, Bishop Desmond Tutu, Eleanor Roosevelt, Nancy Reagan, Monica Lewinsky, Anne Landers, Mary Kay Ash, or Mary Kay Co of Mary Kay Cosmetics, Leo Buscag... I don't even know how to say that. Buscaglia, Richard Simmons, Luciano Pavarotti, John Denver, Lionel Richie, Stevie Wonder, Barry Manilow, Dolly Parton, Josh Groban, Music of Journey. That's interesting. They mean... Uh, the music of the music group Journey. I, <laughs> it's interesting. Okay. Bobby McFerrin, Kenny G, Paula Abdul, Priscilla Presley, Elizabeth Taylor, Danny Thomas, Martin Sheen, Jennifer Tilly, Danny Grover, Richard Thomas, jo the John Boy Walton character, Juliet Benocci, Benoke, something like that, Arsenio Hall, Timothy Treadwell, Grizzly Man, Melanie Him Hamilton Wilkes of Gone with the Wind, Eve Harrison in All About Eve, and Dr. McCoy from Star Trek. So if, if that gives you some idea, their personalities, a little bit of their way of coping with the world, that th those could be characterized as twos if you identify with a number of those characters. That could be a clue. Type 2 overview. We have named the personality type 2 the helper because people of this type are either the most genuinely helpful to other people or when they are less healthy, they are the most highly invested in seeing themselves as helpful, being generous and going out of their way for others makes two feel like they are at their richest, most meaningful way of life. 
the love and concern they feel, and they genuinely do feel that, warms their hearts and makes them feel worthwhile. Twos are most interested in what they feel to be really, really good things in life. Love, closeness, sharing, family, and friendship. Luis is a minister who shares the joy she finds in being a two. Quote, I cannot imagine being another type, and I would not want to be another type. I like being involved in people's lives. I like feeling compassionate, caring, nurturing. I like cooking and homemaking. I like having the confidence that anyone can tell me anything about themselves, and I will be able to love them. I'm really proud of myself and love, love myself for being able to be with people where they are. I really can and do love people pets and things, and I'm a great cook, unquote. When twos are healthy and in balance, they are really, or they really are loving, helpful, generous, and considerate. People are drawn to them like bees to honey. Healthy twos warm others in the glow of their hearts. They enliven others with their appreciation and attention, helping people to see positive qualities in themselves that they had not previously recognized in short, twos, healthy twos are an embodiment of the good parent that everyone wishes they had, someone who sees them as they are, understands them with immense compassion, helps and encourages with infinite patience, and is always willing to lend a hand while knowing precisely how and when to let go. Healthy twos open our hearts because theirs are, ready, are already so open and they show us the way to more deeply, uh, to be more richly and deeply human. Luis concludes or continues, quote, "All of my jobs revolve around helping people. I was a teacher who wanted to be sensitive to children and help them to get off to a good start. I was a religious education director in a number of parishes. I thought that if people learned about the spiritual life, they'd be happier." The most important part of my life is my spiritual life. I was in a religious community for 10 years. I married a former priest, and we both have our spirituality as the basis of our life together. Unquote. However, two's inner development may be limited by their shadowy side, pride, self-deception, the tendency to become over-involved in the lives of others, and the tendency to manipulate others to get their own emotional needs met. Transformational work entails going into darker places in themselves, and this very much goes against the grain of the two's personality structure, which prefers to see itself only the most pos in only the most positive glowing terms. Perhaps the biggest obstacle facing twos, threes, and fours in their inner work is having to face their underlining center of fear of worthlessness. Interesting. Beneath the surface, all three types fear that they are without value in themselves, and so they must be or do something extraordinary in order to win love and acceptance from others. In the average to healthy levels, Twos present a false image of being completely generous and unselfish and not wanting any kind of payoff for themselves, when in fact they can have enormous expectations and unacknowledged emotional needs. 
average to unhealthy twos seek validation of their worth by obeying their superego's demands to sacrifice themselves for others. They believe they must always put others first and be loving and unselfish if they want to get love. The problem is that putting others first makes twos secretly angry and resentful, feelings they work hard to repress or deny. Nevertheless, they eventually erupt in various ways, disrupting two's relationships and revealing the inauthenticity of many of the average to unhealthy two's claims about themselves and the depth of their love. But in the healthy range, the picture is completely different. My own, Dawn's, maternal grandmother was an archetypal two. During World War II, she was moms to what seemed like half of Keesler Air Force Base in Biloxi, Mississippi, feeding the boys, allowing her home to be used as a home away from home, giving advice and consolation to anyone lonely or fearful about going to war. Although she and her husband were not wealthy and had two teenage children of their own, she cooked extra meals for the servicemen, put them up at night, and saw to it that their uniforms had all of their buttons and were well-pressed. She lived until her 80s, remembering those years as the happiest and most fulfilling of her life, probably because her healthy two capacities were so fully and richly engaged. Okay, let's talk about the type 2 at their different levels of development. Now remember, a healthy one would be like at their absolute best. They are phenomenally healthy. They are phenomenally happy. They are, you know, doing it right, you know, according to their, you know, personality at its best, you might say. And then the level nine being the worst, just the worst way it could show forth. Okay, so level one at their best become deeply unselfish, humble, and altruistic, giving unconditional love to self and others, feeling it is a privilege to be in the lives of others. Level two, empathetic, compassionate, feeling for others, caring and concerned about their needs, thoughtful, warm-hearted, forgiving, and sincere. Level three, encouraging and appreciative, able to see the good in others, Service is important, but takes care of self, too. They are nurturing, generous, and giving. A truly loving person. Average levels. Level four. They want to be closer to others, so start people-pleasing, becoming overly friendly, emotionally demonstrative, and full of good intentions about everything. Give seductive attention, approval, strokes, flattery, Love is their supreme value, and they talk about it constantly. Level five, become overly intimate and intrusive. They need to be needed, so they hover, meddle, and control the name of control in the name of love. Want others to depend on them. Give, but expect a return. Send double messages, enveloping and possessive. The codependent, self-sacrificial person who cannot do for others, wearing themselves out for everyone, creating needs for themselves to fulfill. Level 6. Increasingly self-important and self-satisfied, feeling they are indispensable, although they overrate their efforts in others' behalf. Hypochondria, becoming a martyr for others, overbearing, patronizing, presumptuous. 
and finally unhealthy levels. Level 7 can be manipulative and self-serving, instilling guilt by telling others how much they owe them and make them suffer, abuse food and med medication to, suff to stuff feelings and get sympathy, undermine people, making belittling, disparaging remarks, extremely self-deceptive about their motives and how aggressive and or selfless or selfish their behavior is. Level 8. Domineering and coercive. Feel entitled to get anything they want from others. The repayment of old debts, money, and sexual favors. Level 9. Again, this is the worst. Able to excuse and rationalize what they do since they feel abused and victimized by others and are bitterly resentful and angry. Somatization of their aggressions result in chronic health problems as they vindicate themselves by falling apart and burdening others. Generally, or, yeah, generally corresponds to the histrionic personality disorder and factitious disorder. Oof. Boy, any of these personalities at their worst are just rough. I mean, that's that's just rough. Okay. Um, so on the website, if you go to enneagraminstitute.com and go to this type-2, there is a, a section that talks about the uh, different relationships. Or so, so if you're a 2 and you're in a relationship with a number 4, for example, you can click on 4 and it will show you what the relationship could look like with that particular individual. And there's also a section that shows um, what is often confused, like if a, if a person is starting to see, you know, oh, well, maybe I'm a two, but they look at these different numbers, one, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, um, they, they may be confused with that type because of this reason in this personality and so forth. And so it's kind of a good way of, of helping you if you're if you're if you've gone through the numbers and you're like oh I really feel like I'm this but I kind of feel like this but I also kind of feel like this help you to kind of see why the different things may appear in the different numbers and so forth anyway okay let's read this section I'm gonna read this section on personal growth recommendations for Enneagram type twos okay First and foremost, remember that if you are not addressing your own needs, it is highly unlikely that you'll be able to meet anyone else's needs without problems, underlying resentments, and continual frustration. Further, you'll be less able to respond to people in a balanced way if you've not gotten adequate rest and taken care of yourself properly. It is not selfish to make sure that you are okay before attending to others' needs. It's simply common sense. Try to become more conscious of your own motives when you decide to help someone. While doing good things for people is certainly an admirable trait, when you do so because you expect the other person to appreciate you or do something nice for you in return, you are setting yourself up for disappointments. Your type is, has a real danger of falling into unconscious codependent patterns with loved ones, and they almost never bring you what you really want. While there are many needs you may want to do for people, it is often better to ask them what they really need first. 
You are gifted at accurately intuiting others' feelings and needs, but that does not necessarily mean that they want those needs met, or that those, those needs remedied by you in the way you have in mind. Communicate your intentions and be willing to accept a no thank you. Someone deciding that they do not want your particular offer of help does not mean they dislike you or are rejecting you. Resist the temptation to call attention to yourself and your good works. After you have done something for others, do not remind them about it. Let it be. Either they will remember your kindness themselves and thank you in their own way, or they will not. Your calling attention to what you have done for them only puts people on the spot and makes them feel uneasy. It will not satisfy anyone or improve your relationships. Learn to recognize the affection and good wishes of others, even when they are, these are not in terms that you are familiar with. Although others may not express feelings in a way that you want, they may be letting you know in other ways how much they care about you. If you can recognize what others are giving you, you will rest more easily in the knowledge that they are that you really are loved. Love is always available, but only to the degree that we are present and therefore receptive to it. In light of that last one, um, and that is the end of the uh, of the page on twos, I would highly recommend anybody read the Five Love Languages um, book. But if you're a two, I suspect that you really need to read the Five Love Languages for the, the simple reason that... You are trying hard to express love all the time, and you want to do it in the best way possible. It's just who you are. You want to do that. And if you don't understand how people read and receive love, it's going to be very difficult for you. You'll find some people are just so hard to please or so hard to express anything too, because they just take it wrong all the time. And often it's simply because they have a different way of accepting and receiving and giving love than you do. And the five love languages talks about the different uh, types of love. And maybe we'll share those on the Paradigm Swap podcast, because I do swap that um, paradigm of the five love languages out often especially as I get to know new people. And, you know, once you can find out somebody's love language, you can refer back to that often. You know, when you're thinking, okay, it's it's their birthday coming up. I want to do something special for them. It, knowing what kind of thing they would most appreciate and which things they might not appreciate as much. But if you're a number two uh, in the personality Enneagram type, um knowing how to give and receive love is very important. And recognizing when you're giving it for truly unselfish reasons is probably the biggest challenge of a two. You, they may be giving it in order to receive love, and that is not the right reason to give love. And it's true that in a, a very personal relationship, like a marriage, for example, that there has to be give and take. There, there has to be um, giving and receiving in order for the relationship to survive. You can't be expecting 
You know, because I gave this much love, I expect this much in return. Because that's just not how relationships work. There has to be some freedom. There has to be some, you know, love given and and a willingness to be there for the other person, even when it's not convenient. And there are going to be times when things are tough and and in, in stress, you're, you're feeling these different things and, and so forth. And it's that's when relationships can feel strained but that is when they are most needed also and so you know knowing these knowing your personality knowing how you interact with the world knowing why you do what you do can be really valuable for the two if you find that you are two it's really important that you look into first your own personal care but then also look at your motives in any given situation. Am I doing this? Am I trying to help this person because I really care and, and because it, it provides me just a sense of fulfillment to be able to, to give? Or am I doing it because I expect love in return? I expect them to give more freely back. And if that is your motive, you need to stop and look at that and, and rethink your motives and the way you're approaching things. So if you would like to support the podcast, you can do so by going to, to uh, patreon.com slash Chaz Hathaway and becoming an ongoing monthly contributor. And uh, you can also help the show by rating it on iTunes, by sharing it with friends and so forth. You can also contact me, Chaz, C-H-A-S, at willowrise.com. That's W-I-L-L-O-W-R-I-S-E. And, uh, and most of all, I just want to thank all of you for listening. Mm-hmm.